great to meet you. Um, I'm part of the team here at KXC, and I also work for the NHS. So that's interesting, isn't it? Um, We are, as Pete mentioned, we have just started our series called Origins, Exploring the Way of the Early Church. Who was here last week when Tim started us off in this awesome series? Oh, yeah, quite a few, about 10. Um, He did such a great job just kind of setting this up um, and talking about the fact that we are here today because of what happened back then. Um, Basically... We're going to start, I really like what the Holy Spirit was just doing at the end of the worship, actually. I love when God just sets it up. And in fact, I'm just going to stop and let's just pray and invite God to come and keep doing his thing. Holy Spirit, we're here, Lord, to look at the scripture about when you came for the first time. And we want to see that happen here in our midst. This is not just a theory. This is not just an intellectual exercise. We're talking about you, Spirit of Jesus, who is here. Yeah, open our ears to hear you this morning. Amen. All right, let's look at origins. Let's look at Acts 2. If you've got your Bibles, um, why don't you open it up to Acts 2. Um, As Tim opened up last week, Jesus had said to wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. Basically, Acts was written by Luke, who also wrote the book of Luke. And basically, Acts is just a continuation of what Jesus was already doing in the book of Luke. So the Holy Spirit is the main character throughout Acts, but it's actually just Jesus continuing his work that he'd, he'd begun. So the risen Jesus, this time through the disciples. And in Acts chapter 1, if you look back, um, yeah, Luke mentions, so both in the end of Luke and in the beginning of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, um, Jesus says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So this is the risen Jesus who comes to speak with his disciples and say, just go, just wait. What I've promised is coming to you. But they still don't really get it. And they're asking, actually, but Jesus, when are you going to establish your kingdom? Is this when you're going to establish your kingdom? And they have in their minds this political kingdom, this freedom from the oppression of the Romans. They've got in mind this kind of earthly kingdom. And he basically just says, just wait and see. Just wait and see. And so let's see what happens. Acts 2. This is when... The church is empowered. Basically, the spirit comes and fills a small group of suspect Messianic Jews waiting in an upper room in ancient Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost. And that's why we're here today. That absolutely changes everything. It's the game changer. And the spirit coming continues to be the game changer for us. So as Tim said, when we look at Acts, we're not only looking at oh, what happened back then. We're not, we're not just go, harking back, oh, that's interesting, that happened back then. We're looking at that to go, what does that say to us now? What is still real for us today? So let's read through. How big is that? Sorry, it's quite small. This is why you can read on your phone or your own Bible. 
that. I need a magnifying glass for this. Okay, so when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And I'm just going to paraphrase some of it. Um, So there were God-fearing Jews from every nation um, in Jerusalem at that time for the Feast of Pentecost. And a large crowd heard the sound. So it must have been quite a loud sound. Like that must have been, it was like a megaphone. And they all came running. People came running because they could hear this amazing sound. And they all said, they were amazed. And they said, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears our own native tongue? And they, there's a massive list of all the different languages that were being spoken. But some of them made fun of them, actually mocked them and said, they've had too much wine. Um, yeah, which is, could be understandable. Okay, then Peter stands up with the 11, raises his voice and addresses the crowd. And he says, basically, no, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. And, and he quotes the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And the prophet goes on. And then... Peter basically goes on to preach that Jesus, this Jesus who many of them had seen doing all of these miraculous works and many of them knew had been put to death, that this power was evidence that this Jesus had had been raised to life, that he was the Messiah who'd been foretold um, to them um, and God had raised him to life and has now poured out his promised Holy Spirit and that this spirit that they're seeing, this phenomenon is backing up the message that Jesus is alive. And that's what we were just seeing. The spirit backs up the message that Jesus is alive. Okay. And then Peter urges them to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and says that you will also receive the Spirit. And about 3,000 were added to their number, just the ones that believed. So again, a fairly large crowd. So what actually happened then? They were gathered together and they really had they'd taken Jesus at his word. And I think there's something in that. There was an expectancy and an obedience to just do what Jesus said and just wait wait in the city. They were expectant. And then a violent wind shook the room. Pretty cool. Tongues of fire appeared over their heads. They started to speak in other tongues and declare the wonders of God in all languages. And uneducated, unlikely men began to preach boldly and eloquently about the gospel, about Jesus. And they not only preached, but they demonstrated the power alongside the message. And then the very next chapter, if you've been reading through um, Acts, which I really encourage you to do, the next thing that Peter does is goes and heals a lame man. He basically, they've just taken on the ministry of Jesus, which is to demonstrate the kingdom. And they just continue to do the things that he did. His story becomes their story. 
And they keep being filled with the Spirit. It's not just a one-off event. If you look through Acts, you see it again and again. You know, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, did this. Um, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. They prayed and were filled with the Spirit. And the place that they were staying was shaken. If you read through it, it's again and again. It's not just this one-off event. And they see healing and all sorts of things. But let's look at what does that mean for us now? Okay, that's all well and good. Are we expecting that every time we meet, we're going to experience a violent wind and and everyone's going to speak in tongues? Maybe. Maybe that will happen. I don't think necessarily that's going to happen every time. It can happen. But let's really look at the principles that are true for us today. Basically, first and foremost, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals reveals Jesus. He's not a force. For those of you that are, have, are new to all of this, and you might be questioning, why do they always leave that awkward space where people start singing out and we don't know what's happening? It's because we're so hungry for this spirit, the spirit of Jesus, who reveals the heart of the Father, because that what, that's what Jesus does. He reveals what the Father is like. And ultimately, the Father is love, I'm just going to say that again. The Father is love. And I feel, I felt like that there were many today that have not, you know that cerebrally or intellectually, but you don't, you don't know it. You've not experienced that. It says in verse 37 that the people were cut to the heart. So once Peter had preached, this is Jesus who you crucified, This is him. He's the king. He's the Messiah. They were cut to the heart at that revelation of the truth of who Jesus is, the risen Jesus. And can I just say, to to encounter his love by the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. And I want to talk about this first because nothing else is going to make sense if you have not encountered his love for you by the Spirit. In the Gospels, most people who encounter Jesus are utterly transformed. And it's not just because he's physically healed them. It's because he's shown the love of the Father for them. He's accepted them. He's spoken um, sonship and daughtership over them. And it says in Romans that the spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship and daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. By him we cry, Daddy, Daddy, it's you. Some of you might be, feel uncomfortable with that kind of affectionate language. But this is what, this is what happens when we experience the Spirit. And I, the reason I'm going on about this is because if you've never experienced God, if it's always been an intellectual kind of assent to a set of beliefs, I honestly don't think you're going to last We've, it's got to be based on that knowledge that you're loved, that you're a son, that you're a daughter. And the other thing that can happen, if your identity, identity is not based on that relationship, then you can even be around the power of God, but you can actually get your identity more in the gifts of the Spirit rather than in the giver. Yeah. All right, so the Spirit reveals Jesus. The Spirit empowers us to do what we could never do, 
to see healing, to see the miraculous, to see deliverance, to see everything that Jesus did. And it's not just for back then. At KXC, we believe that this is the birthright for all of us who follow Jesus, for all of us. Jesus said in John John 14, Jesus had said, when the Holy Spirit comes, we will do even greater things than he has been doing. And it's to demonstrate the kingdom on earth. Tim spoke about we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit and we get to see heaven breaking into earth. And so the Spirit gives us that boldness and that faith to heal, to prophesy, to, to do the things that he did. For those that were at the weekend away, just a show of hands who were there. Um, yeah, quite a few. I wasn't there. I was very sad not to be there. But, but I heard about some of the things that happened. And, and you had a guy called Julian speak who, had, who has quite a powerful gift of prophecy. And the thing that I noticed from seeing the people that had come back from that weekend away was the faith that had just shot through the roof. The hunger of like, oh, hang on, is God, God's actually real. Like he couldn't have done that by his own power, by his own strength. It's actually real. And I was talking to someone in the pub at Camino afterwards who said, yeah, I just wanted to say this stuff is real, but he didn't use the word stuff. But it was like this like revelation of like, no, this is actually real. This is actually real. And, and, I just want to say, we as a church lately, do you know that we've seen several healings of chronic food allergies in our church just this year? We've seen musculoskeletal injuries be completely healed and pain go. We've seen people set free from oppression that's, that hasn't come from God, be free from anxiety and depression. That is amazing. But I'm not satisfied. Is that it? Is that it? Who's satisfied with that? I'm not satisfied. I am so hungry to see more. It's not enough to have one weekend a year where we see a few powerful encounters, and I'm not belittling that. Um, And especially it's someone coming in from outside. This should just be the norm. I'm hungry for that. I'm hungry for the gift of prophecy. I'm hungry to see it increase in its accuracy and power. I'm hungry to see people healed, not just have a couple of testimonies, but I want to see it daily testimonies of people just being healed. This is our inheritance. This should just be the norm. This is nothing new. This is what set apart the people of God from the very beginning. And we've become pretty tame as a church, as the church worldwide. We've become pretty satisfied with just coming along and and meeting and singing some songs Again, I'm not belittling that. But there's so much more. When I was a teenager, I was, um, I was quite a strange teenager. I, I was around at the time of the Toronto Blessing, which if you don't know what that is, come and ask me afterwards. But shows how old I am. It's back in the 90s. But I went to a lot of conferences that were run by this church called the Vineyard um, in America. Basically, they came out and the Vineyard is known for or was known for um, just seeing a lot of these spiritual gifts just as a normal thing, the healings, the deliverance, the words of knowledge, all of it. And I remember as a 14-year-old kid, I would walk in to this atmosphere of worship and the atmosphere is electric where you're just like, what's going to happen next? 
what is going to happen next. That person just got healed. That person just gave um, a message in a tongue and that person interpreted it. And the faith is just going through the roof. And it just had this wildness. But that's what attracted me to Christianity. That's what attracted me. It was my own encounter with the love of God, which actually transformed my personality. And that's another story. But it was actually this electric faith and seeing the signs and wonders. And there is a a famous story about John Wimber who began the vineyard movement when he first became a Christian and he'd really turned away from quite a wild kind of life. Um, Went to church and um, waited until the end of the service to speak to the minister and and basically just said to him, so um, when do we get to actually do the stuff? And the minister was a bit like baffled and said, oh, what, what do you mean? What stuff? And he said, you know, in the Bible, like the stuff that Jesus did, you know, like healing and raising the dead and casting out demons. When do we get to do that? And the minister was like, oh, oh, no, this is just what we do. We, we pray and we worship and this is it. And John just went, and I gave up drugs for that. <laughs> and it's a, it's a famous story, but I think it's still true for us today. That was in the 70s. And John went on to hunger after this. And, and he began to hold prayer meetings for a year um, just to ask God to heal people. And no one got healed for an entire year. But he was so hungry for it because it said it in the book. It said, this is the promise for those who believe. Do we want more of that? Are we satisfied Maybe some of you are. I'm not. I'm not satisfied. In fact, I'm frustrated because I want to see more. So let's take risk. Let's, let's ask big. I think there is a hunger rising in our church to see the power with the message. We've got great teaching. Let's see the power come with the message. There are more stories that you can read about. Jackie Pullinger. Um, Chasing the Dragon is a great book to, to read, to hear about the power of God moving today. Alan Scott in his book, Scattered Servants. John Wimber, Power Evangelism. Robbie Dawkins. I just want to direct you to, to testimonies of this stuff happening today. Amazing healing. All right. So he empowers us to do what we could never do. He is beyond our understanding The Spirit is beyond our understanding and beyond our control. And when the Spirit came at Pentecost, people were amazed, but they were also perplexed. And then some tried to come up with human rational explanations for what they were seeing. Some even became cynical and began to mock what was happening. And we can have all of these same reactions today, can't we? We can have all the same reactions to the Spirit's activity, and it can look weird when the spirit encounters people it can offend us we can be tempted to try and control it but the spirit is supernatural not rational for example tongues is a really strange gift isn't it it's a really strange gift but it is still for today and I just want to say, if you're hungry to receive the gift of tongues, I think that that's something that God wants to pour out today. But Jesus said that the spirit is like the wind. The wind blows wherever it pleases, he said. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. 
think we need to let go of control and be okay with the unknown. It's like Pete was mentioning, let go of that paradigm that we're used to. Let go. Is that the sound of the violent wind? (laughs) You can do better than that, Lord. (laughs) Bring it. I love a I love a storm. I'd love it if it was a violent wind. Love, oh, there it goes. Okay. The spirit people who are led by the spirit, spirit people are actually a little bit wild because they're on the adventure where anything can happen. Okay. Katia Adams, who spoke at the weekend away, um, I did actually listen back to her sermon. She said a thing I really loved. She said, you can either live in a realm that you understand or trust in the Lord. You cannot live in both realities. He will love you in both just the same. But the adventure is only in one realm. So what do we want? Which one do we want? Once I had a dream, a really vivid dream where I was riding a bike, which is weird because I hate riding a bike, um, and I was just pedaling and it was quite hard work and trying to steer. And then the next image in the dream was of me riding this massive horse, you know, those Clydesdale horses that are designed to pull things, they're huge. But basically, I was just sitting on the horse, holding on for dear life. I wasn't, um, it had no reins. It was bareback. Um, weird image. Um, but basically, the next, the next morning, I was like, what the heck? What was that about? Because it was so vivid. And I felt like Jesus just said to me, you can choose the bike or the horse. The horse is, is life in the spirit. The bike is just doing it in our own strength. The horse will go. The horse is wild. The horse is powerful, but it's doing it with him. And we can choose. So it's beyond our understanding. Can I just say, for those of you that are like, yes, but I'm, I'm more, I need to understand that's part of my wiring. That's okay. It's okay to ask questions. This isn't about shutting off your brain. Ask the questions, but it is about surrendering every part of ourselves to God. And God works in our thinking, but he also works beyond our thinking, way beyond our thinking. All right. And he leads us outwards. The spirit always, always leads us outwards. So again, in Acts 1, before the spirit had come, Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, When he comes on you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's the trajectory of the Spirit still. He will not, he does not want us to contain this within the walls of this church. Even the gifts of the Spirit like prophecy and healing and discerning of spirits. It's not just for here, it's for out there. It's to demonstrate who he is. It's so that people can see this God is real. This God is real. Imagine if when, we, when you spoke to your friend at work, you just said, I just have, feel like I've God's said something to, to tell you. I don't know how you phrase it. I think we need to get good at coming up with ways to explain the supernatural to people that probably will think that we're crazy. Um, but yeah, it's for out there. And the spirit back then basically scattered them. He scattered them through persecution, actually. And there will be cost as we step out and as we push out into a kingdom that says that this 
kingdom we find ourselves in is ruled by a different ruler. But Jesus, the king, is breaking in. He's giving a foretaste of what's to come fully when he returns. And we are, we are called to go and bring heaven out there and show who he is out there. Finally, the spirit is for everyone. Okay, so back to Acts 2. In verse 17, Peter quotes the prophet Joel who said that in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit on everyone, the young, the old, men and women, and we're going to prophesy and have visions and see signs and wonders. And it's a promise for those then, but it is a promise for all who are to come. In verse 38... Um, Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. I think that includes us. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that includes us. And so what I want to say about this is don't discount yourself from receiving the Spirit, from being filled with the Spirit. The Spirit's power and gifts are not just for certain personality types. I'm really sick of just seeing the same people prophesy and the same people just going a bit nuts. And it's not about doing certain things, but it's about being surrendered to the Spirit. It's about believing that He can use you, that He's going to give these gifts to you. And I feel like there are people here that you've discounted yourself for whatever reason. It's not just for the slightly spiritual or weird people or the more emotional people. All the people that have it all together or just the mature Christians. Do you know that God is going to pour out his spirit on you? If you ask him, he's going to pour out his spirit on you, whether you're a child, whether you're a brand new Christian, whether you're a person with a disability, whether your life is messy, whether you feel weak, whether you feel like for whatever reason that you're the wrong type of person and that this doesn't apply to you. It does apply to you. It does apply to you. He is desperate to pour out his spirit. This is what, why Jesus died. He died for this. The Spirit has come so that we can live the life that he died for, so that we can primarily know his heart. We are loved to love. We need to get his love, and we need to be set on fire. We need to be set on fire. So I think today, um, whatever camp you find yourself in, he just wants to set you on fire. He wants to, and particularly if you've never encountered him, I just would say to you, don't be afraid. He's really good. It's not just about looking weird. It's just about opening up and saying, yes, Lord, I want to receive this gift. Jesus said in Luke 11 and in a couple of the other gospels, knock and the door will be open to you. And he says that, you know, Even though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. So why would I not give the Holy Spirit to whoever asks me? And I think we underestimate, we do underestimate just how good he is and just how fun this is. This invitation is so fun. It's just a gift. It's just a gift by his grace and it's for everyone. Okay, I've kind of 
I've raced through that a bit because the main thing I want to happen is people to just meet with Jesus by the Spirit today. And that's nothing that I can hype up. So I guess my invitation to you is that if you are hungry, even if there's just a part of you that's like, yeah, God, maybe I I do want this. I've discounted myself before. Or maybe I've never actually met you before. This is all just being quite intellectual. This is your time. So we're going to just actually have a time of waiting. And we're just going to push into awkwardness. And that's okay. So let's invite the Spirit. And if you are up for this, why don't you do whatever it looks like for you to be open. I physically like to do this action to just say, yes, Lord, I'm open to you.